How's my hair? You have great hair. The the people on the podcast will definitely be able to tell. As long as you say it, they will believe it. Just hey, everybody listening, Justin's hair right now is everywhere, and I am <laughs> screaming infidelities about this hair. Oh, dashboard! What what a throwback. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Can We Save the Cat, an entertainment podcast where we take a random idea and try to turn it into the next Hollywood blockbuster. In the end, we'll decide whether we want to save the project or scratch it completely. I'm Danny Hanks, director and producer. I am Brian Hayes, writer, actor, and producer. I'm Justin Campbell, producer and writer, because I'm different. All right, so I have been wanting to pitch this idea for the past week now because i thought of it i thought of it like last week and i immediately told my roommate so so it's not that i've thought of it last week i thought of it a long time ago and i just want to bring it to this podcast because i feel like it needs to enter the world so i'm gonna go first this is this is horrifying the setup i'm a little nervous (laughs) so it is a horror comedy short film. I'm in. In the vein of Scream. Ooh, I'm out. And it is a woman who goes to the to the store and buys like a dozen lobsters for a big party that she's throwing. And all of the lobsters get loose. Mm. And so it is a, a <laughs> horror comedy short. And you can imagine all of like the really dramatic shots from like a horror film. Like it's a shot of her feet. And like you see under the couch in the in the background, like the shadow of a lobster just scuttling by. And then like, you know, the dramatic lighting as the as she's cowering and it's the big shadow of the lobster on the wall. It is that. That is my pitch. So YouTube classic. It would it, it's I'm gonna make it someday. So that's me. Brian, I feel like you should follow that with an animated short. Let's go. I don't have an animated one. You know, you guys give me a lot of crap for the animated. That was twice in a row, and it was the first two weeks. I feel like this is... The you, know what happen- no, you know what happens when you do something twice in a row? It becomes a thing. <laughs> Anyways, you go. You go next. Okay. So, mine is quarantine-related. We've done none of those. I feel like it's fair. So, a romantic comedy. Classic me. So, we're going to have a woman that goes on a date. She takes a train out of New York City to small-town... I'm going to go with Rye, New York, and they end up ha- she ends up having a one-night stand with the guy that she's going on a date with, and they woke up the next morning quarantined in Rye, and she cannot go back to New York, and she ends up having to stay with the guy for 14 days while they quarantine. So a one-night stand turns into a 14-day extravaganza stuck. Don't even, don't even ask questions yet. I'm not even done. Put your finger down. <laughs> I got called out. Um, yes, so... It's a one-night stand that turns into 14 days. I know there are similar sh- movies like this, but I feel like the quarantine part of it could be funny. Maybe not right now, but later on. All right, now you may comment, Brian. You gotta call it Fortnite Stand. Danny, you're being a little shellfish. Um, I'm trying to ask a question. Sorry. Go back to your lobster short film. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> I, I am being a little shellfish. <laughs> um, 
I feel like there was that Miles Teller movie that was exactly that, right? The Two Nights, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a 14-day. That was two nights in a snowstorm. This is 14 days in COVID. Oh, it was a snowstorm? Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's boring. COVID. Like, I like want her to drive out of the town or her. I want him to drive her to the train station and realize, oh, you can't leave. So I guess you got to go back with me? Interesting. And then I have to tell their family, like, why is she in quarantine with this random dude? I'm sure there's some crazy quarantine romantic stories like that. Guys, concept. Dear God. They buy lobsters on their first date. <laughs> All right, Brian. All right. I see you. See what you're doing here. <laughs> Brian, follow that. It wasn't funny, so. Oh. Um, mine is going to be an, a complete 180 from what we have been discussing, which are pretty lighthearted. Um, something that I have been kicking around, Justin, you, you know this, we kind of talked about this, is the idea of a film or TV show basically showing the survivor of a sexual assault. But it's like a major story, right? So we're looking at like Larry Nasser or Jerry Sandusky type stuff. and But we're looking at this through the point of the victim's eyes and their acclimation back into the real world. When everybody knows that this horrible thing happened to you, how do you acclimate back into the real world? How do you integrate into the real world? And then also, what are your moments where you're feeling really down? You're feeling really elevated. And, and how do you manage those when everybody knows this event that happened, but they don't know your life? And how do they, how do you connect the two? And how do they, how do you get them to disconnect the two? So very different. <laughs> That's deep. Do you have a specific situation or you're just like, it's a broad spectrum. Like you just want to go down that avenue. I want to go down that avenue. I think gotcha. we could, I think I would want to relate it as closely as possible to a Jerry Sandusky, Larry Nasser type thing, but not be them. Okay. If that makes sense. Correct. But we're going to be seeing it from the eyes of the victim, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so my thought, my thought is um, to kind of get those same comparisons, but avoid those like a U.S. swim coach and they are like a 16, 17 year old woman and they're the victim and they're trying to get over this, uh, if you will. Sure. I just feel if I was going to write it, I'd have to write it from uh, the victim as a, as a guy or a boy. Okay. I don't think I could. I don't think I could write it from a viewpoint from a woman fairly enough. So, Justin, I completely agree with you, and I wouldn't have brought this particular avenue and concept up if we wouldn't have had the token the woman, fantastic Miss Danny Hanks, right there. Hey, because where I think our perspective is going to come from is that we can kind of play the devil's advocate with something like this and be like. This is how the real world will react. This is how boys will react, especially if we're going down the avenue of something like a sexual assault. Um, how will boys react to this when a girl in their class, you know, had something like this happen? Well, I was also going to say, like, you could come at it from a boy victim, too. Yeah, absolutely. Because obviously, like, not to, like, throw it on the bus, but I'm, sh I'm sure there's been more versions of this from the women's point of view than ever uh, than a guy's point of view being, like, molested. So I think... I'm not sure, but my, my assumption is that. I think we've seen things like doubt, mm. um, where they really kind of play into just the whole idea and, and concept and storyline of the 
the sexual assault, but not necessarily specifically taking a victim and following their path of like integration back into the world. Yeah. What happens after? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's like, I mean, we've talked about it before, but I think it's something you could definitely dive into and like really sink your teeth into and like make it something worth watching and worth making. But, you know, it's just, to me, always a curious subject when you're writing something from, like, a victim's point of view, from the male or female. For me, like, I always want something like that from the right gender. Mm. Um, Yeah. All right. Let's vote. Danny, you go first since you started. Are you voting for your own? No, I'm not going to vote for the lobster one. I'll vote for Brian's. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of ground to be explored there. Um, I already I already know that I'm going to make the lobster one, guys. It's just a matter of time. Can I play a lobster? Yes, you can scuttle across the floor. But yes. yes, my vote is for Brian's. I feel like that's something that we haven't covered quite yet, and it'll be nice to uh, to give it a go. Well, you know, what a great day to get into some deep emotional stuff. I'm going to vote Brian's, even though mine's a strong second in my heart. And then I think there was a third pitch, but I already forgot it. Wow. <laughs> I, uh, well, I am outvoted. I am really anxious to get into something a little bit darker, a little bit deeper. So I, I am excited about mine. However, Justin, I really like your pitch. I really like the idea of a quarantine. Um, you could almost make it kind of like Groundhog's Day in the way that it's approached where like every day feels like the same, but it's, it's different. So he could get mad at, at her like wake up song. Anyways, I am very excited though to, uh, to delve into this one a little bit. Let's do it. All right. Uh, any title ideas? You know, I don't. Um, so the only thing I really have around this are two moments, basically how it opens and how it closes and everything else in between. I have no idea, which is where I really want to defer to Danny and that like perspective from the 16, 17 year old uh, girls like point of view. So the two scenes that I have in mind are, again, the beginning and the end, the bookends. The beginning, I just had this idea of it opening on a blank screen and we show like, you know how they do in many films where it's like a, a television set and it's showing like breaking news and the story breaking. And then we get like social media feeds scrolling throughout the screen and showing everything kind of playing out in the first 30 seconds of the film, right? We're getting the story. We're getting the backstory. We're getting that this guy um, sexually assaulted all these uh, students and now they are coming forward and telling their stories and he's being arrested. That's how it starts. Then the very end, I kind of had the idea of, so I was watching athlete a and the images of all the girls just standing there lining up in the courtroom, facing Larry Nasser like one-on-one -on -one, and each of them giving their, you know, their few minutes. And I kind of had it ending on something like that, where it's, camera single focused blurred outside of this girl and we basically follow her into the courtroom um, I kind of thought maybe the film could be the third act could be kind of she's deciding if she even wants to go and testify and stand up to this person but her going um, it's it's again it's a close-up on her follows her through the courtroom follows her waiting and then she goes up and then it just it's like very loud orchestra music just showing this like chaos in her head and then when she gets up there and she faces him, it just stops and it's dead silent. And then it's just her monologue, two minutes, and then the scene just like it cuts to black and that's it. Monologuing the shit out of this horrible thing and you just see all the emotion pouring out of it. So that's what I had. Everything else is gray in between. All right. So things that come to mind if we're really following the aftermath 
big moments would be, um, and I'll have questions that go along with this, but, you know, having, having a sexual encounter afterwards, trying to navigate that with a new partner, um, the difference in navigating it with somebody who is empathetic, compassionate, and understanding versus somebody who is sloppy drunk at a party. Hmm. Um, are two different conversations, two different scenarios, even though PSA, they shouldn't be. Consent is very important. Um, and then the other thing that comes to mind is, for some reason, this immediately gave me the idea of, you know, she's kind of this girl in college in a larger, you know, maybe it's 40,000 people, you know, like a, a larger university, but still small enough that everybody knows. And what does that look like? How does that feel? Specifically, you know, perhaps a scene where she decides to, like, cut her hair mm. just because people won't recognize her that way. Be somebody different. Yeah. Okay. What do we show um, her going to therapy? I feel like that would be important to show. Like, that's probably, like, a part of that situation, her dealing with it. Yeah, I think that I think that therapy would be good. I think also potentially group therapy if there are a number of victims in the college. Um because like you that's, can kind of because I know Branson monologue, but you could almost like get a lot of backstory just through little scenes like with a therapist or group therapy, where like we learn more and more about what happened through that. Yeah. Versus having to show anything, really, just kind of like you learn who this person is while they're going through this. Yeah. I guess the biggest thing that comes to mind when we're dealing with these kind of big psychological concepts of you know emotional inner struggle. And this is something that one of my near and dear teachers once sat me down at a bar and basically faced me and was like, what does the character want? Hmm. What does she want? And it's not enough to say, oh, she wants to regain normalcy. Like, no, that's that's not something in the film world that is tangible, that is accomplished. What does she want? Is it that this man was her music teacher and she loves playing the flute and she wants to be able to play the flute again. Is it, you know, what does she want? Yeah. So I think that the first question would be to establish, you know, like I said, in my mind, it was a swim coach and she was like a junior Olympics person or whatever. Um, and this could be four or five years ago and it's just now coming out kind of a thing. So to your point, she could be aged a little bit and be in, in college now. But the first thing would be, what was the situation? You know, was it swimming? Was it something like, I don't know, sports comes to mind because that's where we see this occur, that kind of student teacher relationship where they're spending a lot of one-on-one -on -one time together and that teacher has that authoritative position to be able to impose themselves in these certain situations. But I don't know if there's something else that maybe would kind of separate a little bit. Uh, you mentioned band. I don't know how competitive that gets. Like, I mean, we mention it all the time. Whiplash. What if it was like a boyfriend and it came out that like, you know, he raped her or whatever, and she's seeking to have like a real relationship, but she's like, obviously like super concerned and afraid of that situation. I mean, so I think so that would be... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to hop into the pool here as it were. Um I think it would be interesting to go with the swimming. Okay. And as far as what she wants, it could be as simple as she wants to get back in the pool. Sure. Yeah. And like that's, you know, clearly a metaphor for life. Sure. She wants to get back in the pool, whatever you want to 
maybe when she goes underwater, she has like flashbacks because like it just reminds her of, of like something. Yeah, that's fair. And so you know, perhaps she really does love swimming and she really does love the sport and she wants to get back in the pool and of course you're going to have a lot of people especially if it's in college you're going to have a lot of people saying you know why don't you join the college team you used to be an olympic athlete like you're going to have a lot of people judging for for that i think that kind of opens up some dialogue and some moments for her as well because you could do those things where you're like yeah you you were a junior Olympic athlete. Why don't you swim anymore? You were so good at swimming. And now that the secret is out, now everybody understands that's why she didn't swim. That's why she doesn't go near the water. We thought she just had this fear uh, or that she just was sick of it. But now we understand that, oh, she doesn't swim because she associates that with this horrible thing that happened to her. And to Justin's point, I think the boyfriend can definitely be like a B or a C plot for this. But I I think that having it on a grander scale allows it to be more because I think the biggest the biggest thing that I'm that I keep coming back to is she has one of the worst things imaginable that has ever happened to anybody now out for the entire country to see. And so she is, we're trying to follow her integration back into society when, to Danny's point, she just wants to be normal, but how do we make it to where normal is a tangible thing that she can accomplish uh, within this film? Yeah, I really would like to see the B, C plot, whatever it is, someone like that trying to be in a relationship after that. Yeah. Because to me, like, I mean, that sounds so difficult. I, it's never happened to me, but obviously, like, just in my mind, it sounds like that would be the hardest thing to do is, like, work through that and explain to, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever is, like, what happened. And, like, I feel either the boyfriend or girlfriend would be walking on eggshells in certain parts of the relationship. And, it, you know, it's probably, like, a really hard thing to communicate to each other with, you know? I just feel like that's I, an interesting thing to, like, look at. I would almost think that she – this is something – that she wouldn't have told a partner until this story came out and her name was listed as one of the victims. And then the partner would like, I almost think like maybe she's had other people break up with her in the past because she wouldn't go all the way or something like that. Sure. And I think it's something that you wouldn't just tell any fling or any like, short-term boyfriend and so when the partner the boyfriend whatever finds out then it's like how do you go from being in this relationship that you think oh this person you know again it's just like swimming where it just changes their entire perception of everything oh we weren't having sex because i thought she wanted to like be conservative i was fine with that but now i realize we didn't have sex because she still again associates this horrible thing and and she's trying to get over that or hell, it could be that maybe they have been intimate before. And now, because the partner knows this thing, they're shutting off on their end and saying, I, I don't think we should. I think we should take some time and talk about this or something. Maybe I'm off, but I just feel like that would be something that's very closed off and personal to that person. That They're trying to be as quote unquote normal as they can and integrate themselves. But clearly, like they're missing the mark. Everything they're doing is off. I think it depends on which way you go with it, because obviously, like, if she's in group therapy or something, if she's, like, with the partner for a long period of time, she could have told them. But there's also that situation where, like, if you wanted to make the significant other, like, a bit of a bad person, like, 
you could have them be upset that they found out the secret from somebody else. Yeah. That she held back a secret that now everyone knows and, like, makes them feel awkward, too. So, like, there's that little thing, too, to play with. So, I guess my my question is, and this is going to change a lot of um, the trajectory of the story, is going to be how recently did it become public? Like Right after. Right after it's public. Okay, so then in that case, you could Let's have... say the story broke... July 15th. It is now August 1st. Like okay. two two weeks ago. Very, very soon. Okay. So then in that case, I mean, you can have, I feel like there are two separate stories that you can have here. One can be, you know, that she did have a boyfriend who knew nothing about it or a partner who knew nothing about it and is now hesitant, angry, what have you. And that can be fodder for whatever. Or you could see her trying to date. And the trajectory of that and kind of going through separate relationships, as it were, you know, trying to just be normal and hook up at a party or seeing somebody and telling them about everything and having it go horribly wrong to kind of the third thing is she doesn't tell the person, the person finds out and that becomes a moment of tension where you kind of do have the quote unquote boyfriend that just found out type thing without having it be a a solid character at the beginning of the story all the way through Mm. i like option Um, two so you can kind of see the way in her love life you can see her try to navigate through college life college dating finally kind of find somebody once she has cut off her hair started to be somewhere you know someone else kind of stop talking about her past and everything and maybe she's known as charlotte key And she starts going by Charlie. So a couple of things off of that. Um, I think the reason that I'm, I'm sort of fixated on the ending and, and kind of the big climax being her decision on whether or not she's going to testify in court against this person because she has to face them is because, you know, on an earlier episode, we talked about the concept of self love. And I really want this to be one where it is her decision. She's going forward. I I love the idea of like her cutting her hair and going from Charlotte to Charlie. I think that's like really empowering self-empowerment things. Like I'm taking my life into my own hands. Like fuck this guy and everything that he did to me. I'm who I am and I'm like owning this. And I think that's like a really powerful statement. And so I really want the journey to be very much self-love, self-discovery, self-empowerment. So I think the relationship there is totally fine. If we want to show her, like I even thought about maybe she goes to a party and tries to hook up with a guy and the guy's like, I I don't think we should, you know, like I know who you are. I saw what happened. Like, I don't, I think this is just like a sketchy hookup thing, you know, Um, would any college guys do that? I don't know. Yeah, But I just feel like maybe she's just trying to throw herself into this idea of normalcy that she's trying to hook up and trying to like move on in ways that aren't really moving on. They're just kind of a band-aid for that open flesh wound, if you will. So two things on that. One being the hair could be a thing of like, you know, of course, gymnastics comes to mind because athlete A – but in gymnastics, they want you to have long hair so you can tie it back up in a bun so you're you're effeminate, you're that kind of thing. And so that's 
part of why she cuts it off. The other thing that comes to mind is that scene of deciding to go forward could definitely be kind of the climax of the movie. And then the ending is her diving into the pool, Mm. you know, something that is the closure. So as far as big picture structure, it kind of seems like the very first 10 minutes or however long are establishing that she is this person. Yeah. The inciting incident is um, more or less that she goes to this new school. And the first act is her trying to regain a sense of normalcy. However, everybody knows who she is. Kind of the midpoint or the turning point between act one and act two is she decides, no, fuck you. I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to start going by a different name. I'm going to be somebody that nobody knows. And when that doesn't work, it culminates in her realizing that she has to both be herself and accept this as part of her. She faces her demons and then jumps into the pool. I love that. I love that act two is when everything happens because typically that's like an act three thing, right? Like, oh, I'm discovering who I am. Cut all that. But I love the idea that it's not a on the surface change. Right. It's not the solution. Right. I think it's really important that we don't rely on that as a crutch of like, that's the end of the movie. Absolutely. That's a changing point. That's a turning point in which she tries another tactic and she realizes that it has to be both. Mm-hmm. You know, especially one big thing that they talk about in therapy is the idea that everything is black and white, that people are either good or bad. And our brains want to compartmentalize things and we want to find solution A or solution B. So long story short, she tries solution A, it doesn't work. She tries solution B, it doesn't work. She has to exist in this gray area of life. Right. Um, I feel like when she goes to this school, it's her going back to school. I feel like we could have established that she has a subsect of friends. She has maybe a professor. She would be established at this university. Uh, It wouldn't be a new school that she's going to, but to your point, a new school year. This could definitely, and I think it would tie into that idea of it being a few weeks time. It could be something that broke over the end of summer and now summer's over, right? Classes are back in session. So I like having her coming back into a school year. And I also think that in the second act, you know, after we've had our turning point, The tactic there is going to be out with the old, in with the new, ditch what she knows, try to find something else. So it definitely helps if she's maybe in a college town where there are multiple or like a big city where where she can go to different parts of the city where people don't know her. Or maybe she instead decides to start befriending people who who are um, transfers or what have you. And then if we want to have one of the people really be the guy that she doesn't tell but who finds out be kind of an influence character he can be a transfer or he can be an international student or something like that where it's really he wouldn't know i like the concept of international student for sure i agree with that so what what changes her between act two and three like how does she come about this moment of self realization that it's not a surface level change it's 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 much deeper is it a therapy session is it i would like it to be a group therapy session because i just like that idea of like how healthy that is and just showing how healthy therapy is but that's just me i think therapy could be something that we actually show in all three acts maybe like a, a there's three different therapy group scenes that we do the first one in act one is maybe a repression sort of scene where she's just very like i don't want to talk about it The second one is like, 
I've decided I'm going to make these changes and the therapist may be telling us exactly what our result from that is, you know, and then act three could be her trying to actually really connect and, and figure out like what is going on. And the therapy could really work. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to figure out because I love this idea that Danny talked about of act two is her trying all these things, but it not really sticking until she comes to this self-love, self-realization, um, self-discovery conclusion in act three. That's when she goes to court, faces her demons. That's when she gets back in the water, et cetera. But what do we, what do we do to get from two to three? I think in, in that case, we can kind of use our B plot. We can rely on that as a point of change. Maybe it's something like some guy that she meets at a party that she's flirting with pushes her into a pool because he thinks that it's it's funny, it's a joke, and she has a mm. full-blown panic attack. Um, yeah. Like, so she gets thrown into the pool. I like that idea. She gets thrown in the pool. How does she make that connection to it's deeper than the changes that I'm trying to make surface level? Well, she you could probably make it out to look like that wouldn't be a big deal anymore, her going into the pool even though we haven't seen her do it. Maybe the guy doesn't push her in the pool. Maybe the guy's like, let's go in the pool, and she doesn't have time to really say yes or no. And they just go in the pool together, and it's almost like she like thinks she can do it, and then she can't do it. That's a good one. Would that work? That would, but then how do we get her to the realization moment? Well, I think after the panic attack, she would realize whether she has a friend or somebody. Maybe somebody at the group therapy was there and saw it and like was able to take her to the side with a towel and be like, you know, maybe some kind of comment or conversation to kind of like let her know like, okay, we need to dive deeper because obviously you're not there yet. Okay. Like I use dive deeper there. You like that? Yeah. Look at that pun. <laughs> okay. So concept. She decides that she's Charlie. She goes to this party. She gets pushed into the pool. This guy is the guy who helps pull her out and calm her down after a panic attack. She never tells him why, but then they get close. All of this stuff. He finally discovers why and that is a point of tension. I do think that there is going to be some really raw, tense moments there between them. And I think that can help propel her into that third act of, I need to combine the two. I need to start being honest with myself and with other people about what happened to me and start facing it instead of start trying to shove it down if I want people close to me. Okay, sort of this idea that even this international student will find out. So instead of shoving it down, repressing, trying to change the narrative, embrace it almost and just like. So I think what it is, is that she she starts feeling safe with someone who is male again. And she starts feeling safe with this person. And then he finds out that's the turning point and realizes that he is in some ways hurt by not having found out, I feel like this is very, very difficult terrain yeah. to, to tread on, but I do think that it's that it's important. I think that him finding out is the turning point. I think you can have a bit of a, a falling out between the two of them and her kind of realizing that by pushing herself away, she's also pushing away the prospect of having a normal life because she's not being herself. Yes, I think that's it. And you know what it can be? is it could be one of her old friends from Act 1 that tells her new boyfriend. And that can be kind of the merge of the two. Yeah. Um, And that can be kind of where things get twisted. You know, maybe she has a fight with the friend and she's like, why did you tell him it's not your story to tell? This is unfair. 
but realizes that that actually got her closer with this person that she wanted to be close with. So we have our movie. And I would like to know if it's a feature, because we never talked about that. I think it's a feature. I do think it's a feature. Okay. Or or a four-episode limited series. Okay. Fair. But but very clearly better as a feature. All right. So we got we got a feature, maybe limited series. I think it's a feature myself. We have our story. Uh, I think we have it. I think uh, it's time for Danny to go do the logline. Logline. Hey, everyone. Just a quick reminder, as always, that these podcasts are for entertainment purposes only. These ideas are fresh, new, and sometimes submitted by you. Anything said is not meant to infringe on the copyright of any existing work of art, and everything is thought of during this show without any previous influence. If it sounds like something you've already seen or heard, what can I say? That's Hollywood, all out of fresh ideas. Thanks, and enjoy. All right, and we're back. Danny has a logline. We'll find out if we're going to save the cat or scratch it. Danny? Deeper. After a long history of sexual assault by an Olympic swimming coach makes headlines, ex-athlete Charlotte dives back into her next semester at college only to discover that her recently publicized trauma is making waves across campus. When everyone begins to treat her differently, she must find a new normal, managing friendships, navigating the college dating scene, becoming Charlie, and perhaps even jumping back into the pool. That was very good. I have to say, you couldn't resist, could you? They're meaningful puns. They're, <laughs> they're, they, they hit home. I can't, I, I was very picky. I didn't use tread water. I didn't use stay afloat. Okay. Ugh. That was very good, Danny. I only, I, I peppered in a little bit because you have to have irony in the logline. Okay. All right. Who's going first? Not me. Brian? Um, Justin, you go first. I love how I said who's going first, Brian, and then Brian's like, no, you. Um, I honestly would save this, and I don't think I could write it. I would need someone else to write it, but I think you could... I'd fight for this script. You know, it's one of those scripts where I think it, like it's a lot of meaning. It's meaningful. It's powerful. Like it's something you want to fight for. So, like, yeah, I, w- I would say this for sure. Here's the thing: I came into this pitch fully expecting to self scratch because I have a hard time seeing how something like this gets made, especially right now. I think it's a very difficult time for something like this. Uh, taking aside the COVID thing, like not even factoring that in, I just think it's a very tough subject. And I still struggle with that. Like, how do you pitch this to a studio to make this film? But I think the story, like you said, I think this is one of those things that's very powerful, could be very well done. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to say this as part of your pitch, but this could this could be an awards player, you know? this could If you go indie, it could be a spirit player. If you go major, it could be a... Uh, a Golden Globe type player, like you get the right people in the right roles and this thing could do some damage. So I think that's kind of your your way in. And yeah, I think if it's handled right, it could be good. <sighs> Guys, you know, we've done this for how many episodes now and I have saved each and every one. 
and I came into this really wanting to scratch something for once. I was really, that is why I brought my lobster idea, because I was like, you know what, we are ready to get the claws out, as it were, both the cat claws and the lobster claws. Oh, dear God. But I, at the end of the day, I'm gonna have to say that I save it, because I... This is so compelling that I feel like I want to sit down at a coffee shop and bang it out tomorrow. That's that's what I want. And, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. I mean, it's one of those things. It's a powerful story. It needs to be told. I don't care what time we're in right now. Like, it's a story. Like, it's real. It's it's raw. Like, it's if it's told, it can help a lot of people, I think. But, you know, it needs to be told by the right people. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, I think as a, someone pitching it, you're going in trying to, like, sell a story that someone else can make better. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of like, that's why I save it. It's like, you know, I'm not saving it because I want to write it and I want to, like, maybe produce it. But maybe I want to, like, help someone produce it, help someone uh, write it, help someone find, like, the right way to do it. Because, like, that's that's where, that's where our job when we're pitching it sometimes is kind of just, like, taking this idea and, like, giving it to the right people to create it. Absolutely. Yep. And last but not least, what is everybody watching? Oh, I will go first on this one. <laughs> um, is it animated? It is not animated, actually. Um, so I have been watching... I got a little political this week. Uh, I watched the Hulu documentary series, Hillary. And I feel like if people have listened to this, they probably know which way we're going. I don't want to get too political on here. Um, but... She is such a powerful, strong woman, and I wish I would have seen that Hillary in 2016, because I didn't see the Hillary that I saw in that documentary, and that's a shame. All right. Valid. I see you. She has a good book. I heard it's a good book. All right. So um, so this week, I have actually gotten into a show that I really didn't think that I would like. And Brian is going to be very happy that I watched it. Oh, no. Um, I started watching Rick and Morty. Oh, oh, God. Okay. And, you know, it is definitely what it is. Yes. And I would say, don't hate the show, hate the fans. Yes. Is kind of my consensus around it. 100% agree. What are you watching, Justin? What animated show does Justin like? Uh, I have been so busy at work, so I'm still kind of just like, haven't dived into anything new. So kind of background, rewatching uh, the TV show Bad Education. That's a UK show about like uh, a terrible high school teacher who like basically uses his kids in the classroom to give him life advice. So like a lot of times the kids are teaching him how to like be a real boy. Nice. That sounds actually pretty interesting. It sounds. It wasn't there a Cameron Diaz movie. Yes, but this was way before. Then this is an older TV show. You know, some good episodes, some bad episodes, but you know, funny enough to kind of like keep in the background, keep you uh, entertained. Interesting. So, three saves. When I think I at least two of us were coming in wanting to scratch something. I never, I never come in guys like that. I come in and I, I view it and I see it and I just give it an honest opinion. Justin just comes in. Like the I'm not I'm not a pre scratcher pessimist that he is, and he's just like you know what I hate anything if it's animated it's got to go. I'm a realist. All right, well I'm Justin Eugene. You can catch me on all social media platforms at Justin Eugene. I'm Danny Hanks. You can catch me on Instagram at official Danny Hanks. And I am Brian Hayes. You can catch me on Instagram at Bredacted. 
Also, we now have an Instagram and Twitter for our podcast. It is Can We Save Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. So follow us there. We'll be posting log lines. We'll be posting synopsises, synopses, that word. So give us a follow. Thanks, guys. That's Can We Save a Cat. We are out. Later. We saved it. Saved.